Father, I just want to thank you for another beautiful day. Thank you for all the residents that are able to be here with us. And Lord, that you would um, just bless my words today, that you would guard my mouth from anything that might not bring glory to your word, to your kingdom. And Jesus, we thank you for dying on the cross to give us the free gift of salvation and that your Holy Spirit would work in our lives today and in the upcoming week and that you would just um, be with us, Jesus. We love you, God. Amen. Thank you. So I'm going to read a passage of scripture, and this is from the book of Matthew, and it's um, the parable about the uh, talents. And I'll read the scriptures. It's Matthew 25, 14 through Matthew 25, 30. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto to them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents, Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. The Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put thy money to the exchangers, and then, at my coming, I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away, even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay. Does everybody have a handout today? Okay. Great. All right, so um, let's take a look at this. This, this, this passage of Scripture, hi, Miss Alice, you didn't get a handout. 
Actually, we didn't even have any music today. Would you like to start something? Later? Okay. So um, this parable that Jesus was speaking is called the parable of the talents. And talents are things that people get that from God. And when we read the Bible again, just remember, we're always looking at what the storyline is. And that deals many times with the physical aspects, how we live our life. But there are always spiritual applications to each one of the verses. Every verse in the Bible has one meaning, but it has infinite number of applications depending on where the individual here is in his life. And God gives every person talents. He gives the lost, the people that are on the way to hell, talents. And he gives the, the souls that are saved by grace, talents. And talents also have a subcategory called spiritual gifts. And when you are saved, you also receive spiritual gifts. Paul was speaking of this in the book of Romans where he said, he was talk, talking to the Romans, he said, I long to deliver unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. So when you're saved, you have spiritual gifts. But in the world, everybody has talents. Now, you, we look at basketball players and football players and other pro athletes, and we see their talents. They're very good. Today is the day of the Super Bowl. There will be many talented football players on the field today. And there are other talents. People have the gift of entertainment or politics or making money. And lots of people are very successful with their talents. Now, not everybody uses the talent that God gives them. Some people are lazy, and they just never really amount to anything in life. And unfortunately, the same can be said about Christians. When we have the spiritual gifts that God gives us, many times we do not use them to the full glory of God. So let's look at a, a few of these verses. The first point we're going to look at today is, we are given talents and spiritual gifts to glorify God and his kingdom. That's the reason we get talents and gifts, is to bring glory to our Father. And then Matthew 25, 14, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. This man traveling to a far country is Jesus. And he, he walked on the earth for 40 days, after he rose from the grave on Easter Sunday morning. And at the end of those 40 days, he ascended into heaven. And even now, he's seated at the right hand. Jesus is this man who went into the far country. The kingdom of heaven is the spiritual kingdom of everybody who is saved. If you're saved today, you're in the spiritual kingdom. And he's who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Everybody who's born into the world saved or lost, is a servant of God. Everybody who is born into the world is given talents. Everybody who is born into the world will have to give an account for those talents. Mark 13, 34 says, For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey and left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. So God gave every one of us authority. Some authorities in life. We, we have to kind of live our life to find out what that authority is. And he gives to every man his work. You know, all of us have a job to do for God's kingdom. We have, we have an accounting to give to the Lord. And through the gifts and talents he gives us, he gives, also gives us a job. 
And he commands the porter to watch. We're supposed to be looking for Christ's return. And we don't know when he will come back. But watch. Mark 16, 19, Mark 16, 19 says, So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. That's where Jesus is today. He's seated on his throne at the right hand of the Father. Luke 19, 12 says, He said, Therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Jesus will return. We know he will return. So Matthew 25, 15 says, And he gave unto one five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability. So God gives all of us talents according to the abilities that we have. Several ability means that each one of us has a different type of talent. Luke 2.52 says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. This story from Luke chapter 2 is when Mary and Joseph went to Jerusalem. They took Jesus with them. And after they had done their business in Jerusalem, they returned to their home in separate caravans. Mary thought Joseph had Jesus. And Joseph thought Mary had Jesus. And after they had gone a day's journey, they got together and they said, hey, where's Jesus? So they realized they had to go back to Jerusalem. And when they went back to Jerusalem, they found Jesus in the temple teaching. And Mary was a little bit put off and she said, hey, Jesus, don't you know we're worried? We missed you. And Jesus, remember what he said? Know ye not that I must be about my father's business? So Jesus was only 12 years old, but he was growing, it says in this verse, in wisdom and stature. And in favor with both God and man. Jesus, even though he was all God, he was all man. When he was a baby, he had to be fed. He had to be changed. As he was growing up, he learned how to walk and talk. And now at the age of 12, he's still learning in wisdom and stature. We never come to a point in our life where we don't have a need to learn and grow in wisdom and stature, especially with God. 1 Corinthians 4, 7, this is Paul saying, telling us everything we have is from God. For who made you different from another? God did. And what has thou that you did not receive? You don't have anything that you didn't receive. Everything you have, everything I have is from God. The air I breathe, the food I eat, the clothes I wear, the house I live in, the health I have, my heart beating, it's all from God. And then Paul says, no, if you did receive it, why do you boast in your glory? You know, so many of these athletes today, when they score a touchdown, they're going to be like, look at me, I'm so good. But that talent that they have on the football field, it came from God. And Paul is pointing out, everything we have is from God. And he says, then why do you glory? As if you had not received it from God. As if you had earned it yourself. No, we have every talent is from God. And every talent that is from God, we have to give an account for. Romans 12, 5 and 6a says, So if we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us. When we become a Christian, we're, we're in the bride of Christ. We're in God's family. But every body doesn't have, we're, my body doesn't have 20 ears and no mouth. God made us to have different parts in his body. Not everybody can be the brain or the eyes. Some have to be the hands and the feet. So God made all of us one body of Christ, but different members. The second point we're going to look at today is God keeps a perfect record of everything we do 
during our time on earth. God has a perfect record of everything we will ever do or ever have done. Matthew 25, 16 says, Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. Luke 6, 38 says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. So what you see in this, in this verse, the man with the five talents, he went and made another five talents. But all of that is through God's grace. And this verse from Luke 6, 38 says, When we give, God gives it back. Given, it shall be given unto you. And this is a picture of a bushel basket. Pressed down and shaken together and running over. You can't get any more in this bushel basket. And that's what God does. As we give, he gives it back to us. And as we use our talents, he allows our talents to grow and expand and become more and more visible in his kingdom. And when we go to give an account at the judgment seat, if we've used his and God is giving it back to us, as we give it, he gives it back. He can never outgive God. You're going to be that man with the five talents who has five more talents. The more you use your talents for God, the more he gives you the resources to put back to him. It's a never-ending stream. It's kind of like a banker with a, a happy cash flow that never stops. Matthew 25, 17 says, And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. Now, do you see, one had five and gained five, and one had two and gained two? People have different uses in God's kingdom. And not everybody can be, the, you know, the, the, the pastor or the bank president or the head of the school board. Somebody has to be in the background working. You know, the person who at our church who does the facility maintenance and cleans the bathrooms and takes care of the children in the nursery and changes diapers, they're just as important as the deacons or the pastor because somebody has to do that job. And when they get to heaven, God's going to look at them and say, wow, you took the two talents and you got two more talents. And the pastor, he had five talents and he has five more talents. They both did what they could do with what God gave them. And that's all that God's going to ask them to do. Acts 20, 24 says, this is Paul talking about his life. And remember, Paul said, when I was hungry, I ate a little bit. When I was sick, he said, in whatsoever state I am, therewith I learned to be content. And here he's pointing out that, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. So that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. He said, neither count I my life dear unto myself. The American culture, everything about our culture is getting us comfortable. You know, making a lot of money, having a big house, going to fancy restaurants, going on vacation, having boats and motorcycles and everything that, 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 that is fun. That we can have more enjoyment in the, in the physical world. There is no, really no emphasis in our culture upon valuing and loving the Lord and serving him. You know, the, the Super Bowl, at halftime, they have all of those commercials, right? All of those commercials are selling the good life. Here, buy this product and you'll be more happy. I don't typically watch the Super Bowl, and I, so I don't really watch those commercials, but I, there, I would be really surprised if they had a commercial that says, take God's talent and use it and you'll have joy in heaven. I don't think that'll be one of the commercials today. 
Mark 25, 18 says, But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. So here we have somebody who takes God's gift and he hides it. He literally goes and digs a hole. And I don't know if any of you have ever gone into the soil here in Virginia and tried to dig a hole. But in my yard, like if I plant a tree or something, I hit rock with the first blade. I mean, it's hard work to dig a hole. And this guy worked hard at hiding the gift that God had given him. Let's look at Hebrews 10, 26 to 28. It says, For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain, fearful, looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law dies without mercy under two or three witnesses. Everybody... Everybody will be presented with the grace that saves. Because the Bible says the grace that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So the people that take God's grace, which is a favor we don't deserve, and they, they throw it away. They discard it. And what they do is literally in the, in the parable, the man hid those talents. And God says, there is a fearful looking for of judgment and fiery, hell fiery indignation. And it will devour his adversaries. The people who are at enmity, that are at war with God, they will lose. God will devour his adversaries. And it says, he that despised Moses' law, Moses' law is the Ten Commandments. Many people in our society, they despise the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. How many times do you turn on the radio and people are cussing? Thou shalt not live in adultery. How many people are living in adultery? Thou shalt have no false idols before me. How many people in this society make their job their idol, golfing their idol, sports their idol? You can just go through the list of the Ten Commandments. In our society, people despise Moses' law. God says people that despise Moses' law, they die without mercy. On this side of the portal of death, God is rich in mercy. But God, who is rich in mercy for his love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. On this side of the portal of death, if you die without salvation, without Jesus' blood atonement, there is no mercy. This verse says there is no mercy. Hebrews 10, 29 to 31 says, Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who has trodden underfoot the Son of God and counted the blood of the covenant, the blood of the atonement, the blood of the propitiation, an unholy thing. And has despite to the spirit of grace. It says, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. We're not worshiping some false idol stone god. Like a fat Buddha man. Or an elephant in India. We're serving and will be accountable to the only one true living God. And it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. People in our society don't fear God. But they will at the judgment day. They will fear God that day. Matthew 25, 19. The, the, the third point here is, at judgment, everybody will give an account to God of his or her life. Every one of us in this room will have to give an account for our life at the judgment seat. For the Christian, it's the Bema seat. For the unsaved, it's the great white throne. But we will all appear before the judgment. 
So Matthew 25, 19 says, After a long time, the Lord of those servants comes and reckons with them. Reckon means to give an accounting. He says, okay, it's time for you to tell me what you did with this talent that I gave you in your life. And it says, after a long time. You know, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus ascended into heaven. That's kind of a long time. Now, with day a thousand years, with God a, a thousand years as, as a, is as a day, and a, a day as a thousand years with the Lord. So he, in his book, he's only been gone two days, which isn't too long. But from our point of view, he's been gone 2,000 years. It's a long time. But he can come back today. Matthew 12, 36, 37 says, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by your words you shall be justified, just as if you never sinned, and by your words you shall be condemned. Many people take the name of the Lord in vain. They will be condemned by their very own words. And God is saying every idle word you speak. You know, when we gossip and talk and just talk about sports and whatever at the coffee pot at work, all those words, we have to give an account for that. So God is in the detail business. 2 Corinthians 5, 9, and 10 says, Wherefore we labor that, whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. These are kind of scary verses. We have to give an account for all the words we talk, all the thoughts we have, all the actions we do in our body, and there's sins of commission, the ones that we do that we shouldn't do, and there's sins of omission, when we know we should do good and we don't do it. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. Matthew 25, 20 says, And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. Can't you almost hear the excitement in this man's voice. He's saying, Lord, you gave me five talents. And I made five more talents. You know, in the, in the time of Jesus, a talent was equal to approximately 20 years of labor. So let's just say for easy numbers purposes, a, a, man, a man makes 50000 a year. 20 years of labor would be a million dollars. And this man had five talents. He had five million dollars and he made five more million dollars. You know, if I, if I was able to, to do my business for my boss and make five, double his money, whoa, I would, be, I would be happy to present that to him. You could, you would, it's like, when is this meeting going to be? I want to be at this meeting so my boss will be happy, right? This isn't a boss. This is God. How much more higher do we want to be to show him what we've done for the kingdom? How much more happier? How much joy will we have? 1 John 2, 17 says, And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the, doeth the will of God abides forever. The people who do the Lord's will on earth, we will be in heaven forever. It never ends. It, it's eternity. 1 John 4, 17 says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in the world. You know, this man that had the five talents and made five more talents, you can feel how bold he is. Not bold in his own pride, 
bold in the grace of God that, Lord, look what I've been, look through your grace, what I've been able to do for your kingdom, for your glory, and your honor. And he, this is a day of joy and happiness. For, hearing is made love perfect, that we have boldness in the day of judgment. Ask yourself the question, do you think you will have boldness in the day of judgment? You know, many of us are senior saints. But that doesn't mean you don't have a tomorrow, right? You have today. You can still work for the Lord's kingdom. And the greatest work is prayer. All of us can be prayer warriors. Warriors are on the front line in the spiritual battle. You can take the talents of prayer and use that for God's glory and his honor. Pray somebody into the kingdom. Pray somebody who you know is in a financial distress or an emotional distress or a spiritual distress. And pray a hedge of protection around them. I do that every day for my sons, especially my teenagers. I pray a spiritual hedge that God doesn't let them have any bad friends. Protect their eye gates, their ear gates, so they don't watch bad stuff or listen to bad music. Lord, put a spiritual hedge about them. Matthew 5.21 says, And the Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. So when God gives us the talents on earth, if we use them for his glory and his honor, when we get to heaven, he's going to give us many, many things to rule over. And we have no idea what that that would be. When we think of in the context of the earth, we think of cities, maybe being a mayor or a king. But in the spiritual realm, we really don't know. Because eye has not seen nor ear heard what the Lord has prepared for us who love him. Psalm 1611 says, Thou wilt show me the path of life, and thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So God does show us a path of life. He has a preordained path that we should walk in. And his word becomes the lamp and the light for our life. And when we walk that path, when we get to heaven, in his presence is fullness of joy. Did you ever have a feeling in your life, maybe you went to a party or you talked to somebody and you wanted to get an issue settled and then you left the meeting and you just, you you weren't like totally satisfied. It's like, wow, I missed the boat. I didn't say the right word. They didn't receive it well. Uh, Whatever reason, you're not fully joyful, yes? God says in heaven, there will be fullness of joy. You will never have that feeling of missing the boat in heaven. John 12, 26 says, If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. So do you see in that verse, serve, 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 serve. But when you serve the Lord, it isn't like you get tired of it. It's, it, at the more, it seems like the more you serve the Lord, the more you want to serve the Lord. Because it's not a form of happiness, it's truly a form of joy. And it's just a little inkling of the type of joy we're going to have when we get to heaven. Matthew 25, 22 says, He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. So 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. Without. So the Spirit is given to every man to profit. God doesn't give his Holy Spirit to take away from us, to make our life more uncomfortable. No, sometimes he puts trials in our life to test us and to make us grow, 
And it seems like in the valley, we, we're under the heavy burden. But then when you get back up onto the mountaintop and you look back and you go, Whoa, the Lord carried me and he blessed me and I'm better for it. That, hap that happens so many times in our life. 1 John 2.28 says, And now, little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. So if we live and abide in the Lord, you know, I live in a house. I abide in a house. You live in this facility. You abide here. God says in the spirit world, abide in him. Abide in his Holy Spirit. And it says, when he will appear, he will appear, by the way, when he shall appear, that you will have confidence and not be ashamed. You know, if we walk in a sinful lifestyle, even if we're saved, we're not going to be very confident. We're not going to have a lot of joy at that, at that judgment seat. And God will have to wipe away some tears because we're going to see the things that the Lord has set aside for us through his grace and his blessings, and we fell short. We didn't, by serving him properly on earth, we forfeited some of the blessings in heaven for eternity. Matthew 25, 23 says, His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You see, he says the same thing to the one who had five and made five, and the one who had two and made two. He says exactly the same words. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He says the same thing. So when we look at people that we think, wow, they have so many talents. I could never have those kind of talents. We shouldn't, we shouldn't um, think that that's a negative thing. Because God, if you utilize the talents that God gave you, whatever that talent is, what, even if you think it's small, if you bring it to God and serve his kingdom, he will also say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. So Matthew 25, 23 says, uh, excuse me, Romans 8, 16 and 17 says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. So the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And that's one of the ways we can have assurance of salvation. Matthew 25, 24 says, Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that thou art a hard man. Can you imagine this at the judgment seat? This man is talking to God, and he says, I know you are a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not strawed. That's so blasphemous. Who could say to God, who is rich in this love, who sent his son to die on the cross for our sins, who's rich in mercy, who's full of grace, that you are a hard man. And then he, he accuses the Lord of reaping where he had not sown. That's a form of stealing. He's accusing God of stealing and gathering where you have not strawed, where you have not put into the soil. This man is wicked. Psalm 32, 2 says, Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Guile means lying, deceit. It's not presenting the truth. And anybody who's not saved has a spirit of guile. Anybody who becomes saved, that spirit of guile goes away. This man at the judgment seat 
with the one talent who hid it, he is still under that spirit of guile. He is lying to himself, and now he's lying to the Lord. John 8.42 says, Jesus said unto him, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I myself, but he sent me. So Jesus is saying here in John, If God were your father, you would love me. So the man with the one talent, he doesn't love God. He's looking at Jesus and saying, you're a hard man, and you reap where you didn't sow. But the father says, I, I sent Jesus to love you, and if you love him, then you're a child of, of God. So you're either, in the, in the world, you're a child of God, or you're a child of Satan. And this man, obviously, is not a child of God. John, 4, John 8, 44 says, Ye are of your father the devil. This is Jesus speaking. You are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in truth, because there is no truth in him. So the person who is not saved has his spirit of guile. There is no truth in him. Just like the devil, Jesus said, has no truth in him. In order to be saved, you have to get rid of the pride of the spirit of guile. You have to stop lying to yourself and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm on my way to hell. Will you please save me? Will you make me a new creation in Christ? And that's the only way you can get rid of that spirit of guile. Otherwise, you will be fooled all the way into hell. Matthew 25, 25 says, this is the, the, the um, man with the one talent. And I was afraid and went and hid my talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. So he's saying, here, this talent that I stuck in the ground and hid it from everybody and I didn't use it, here, I'm bringing it back to you, God. This million dollars or whatever the number is, if you want to put a dollar and cents figure on it, here it is, God, here's your money back. This, this man, you can almost feel the, the, the attitude, this bad attitude he has. You know, sometimes when I was raising, I, I have six kids, and it, at times, kids get bad attitudes, right? And as a parent, do you know when your kid has a bad attitude? Absolutely. And I would say, why do you have a bad attitude? You know, you better change that attitude right now. God knows this guy has a bad attitude. And James 2.26 says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. This man didn't have faith. Now, works don't mean how you get to heaven. But James is saying, you tell me about your faith, I'll show you my faith by my works. This man who had hid the one, the talent in the ground, he didn't have any works to show that he had faith. He had zero faith, so he had no works. If you have faith, you will have works. It's impossible to have faith without some works. Now, maybe you don't have a lot of works. Maybe God gave you four, three or four talents and you only returned one or two talents. But you still had some work that evidences your faith. Again, works don't mean faith. Not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Okay, But once you love somebody, you want to serve them. You love your children. That's why when they're little, you feed them, you change your diaper, you bathe them, you buy clothes, you, 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 you put up when these throw on the floor, and whatever they do, right? Because you love them. You, you, you serve them. 
And God says, if you love me, you're going to have some evidences that you serve me. Revelation 21.8, talking about this man who was afraid, but the fearful and unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. This man, by his own words, was condemning himself. He said, I was afraid. Why would you be afraid of somebody who loves you? True love casts out all fear. This man did not love God, and his own words are condemning him. So the last point we're going to look at today is God punishes the unprofitable servant who is an unforgiven sinner. Matthew 25, 26, And the Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. He's literally taking the man's words and turning them on him and condemning him. You know, we, in our court of law, witnesses that give testimony, they have to go under an oath. So to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help them God, yes? And if they lie under oath, if they commit perjury, they can be taken to court and actually go to jail over that or be fined because they're in contempt of court. God knows when we lie to him. And this man is lying to him and God is taking his very words and using them. Job 15, 5 and 6 says, For your mouth uttereth your iniquity, and thou chosest the tongue of the crafty. See, this guy thinks he's being crafty. Your own mouth condemns you, and not I. Yea, thine own lips testify against you. At the judgment seat, God says, Under under two or more witnesses, you're condemned. Well, at the judgment seat, there's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Those are three witnesses. You have yourself condemning, witnessing against yourself. That's the the fourth. And all the people that you've ever met in your life, all the people you have impacted, they have a testimony at the judgment seat of what you've done in your life. There will be thousands of witnesses for every one of us. Proverbs 24 says, The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold, therefore shall he beg in the harvest and have nothing. Jesus defined this man as sluggard. A sluggard is somebody who's lazy. They know they have a job to do, and they refuse to do it. And God says, he will beg in the harvest. The judgment seat is the harvest time. This man has nothing. People that are on the street begging, they have nothing. Usually it's just the clothes on the back and a tin cup. They have nothing in the day of harvest. This man, the one who hid the talent, at the day of harvest, he has nothing. Nothing. Proverbs 21.25 says that the desire of the slothful kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. The person who is lazy in the spiritual world, his laziness will kill him. Kill him in the eternal death, which is the lake of fire. He will be condemned forever in the lake of fire, and it's the eternal death. His laziness, his slothfulness to work for the Lord killed him. Matthew 25, 27 says, Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. So God is saying here, at least take the money and put it in BB&T Bank. Now, I don't know if you looked at the interest rates lately, but they're like .003. So, but at least this man would have made some money on the interest. And God says, you didn't even put it in the bank just to sit there. 
where I could have had some usury on the money, some interest on the money. Now, back in Leviticus, God said the Israelites could not put money out to other Israelites and make profit. It was, again, it was against their commandment. But here Jesus goes into the temple, and in the, literally in the temple, they're doing usury. And this verse says, Matthew 12, 21, 12, And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the table of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. The money changers were the bankers. And the ones selling the doves, the doves were the least expensive of the sacrifices. They were taking advantage of the poor. They would say, oh, that dove you have is not perfect. Here, buy this dove. So the, instead of a dove costing $3, they were selling it for 6 They were making money off the poor. And God, that made God very angry. And, and they weren't even supposed to be selling to begin with to their Israelite friends or the money changers making loans to Israelites. It was against the law. Matthew 25, 28 says, Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto them which has ten talents. So the ten, all of these rewards that this man would have had going into the eternity, God says, you take and give that as a heaping portion to the man that has the ten talents. In the physical life, there's nothing we can take with us when we die. You never see a U-Haul with a bunch of furniture following a hearse. It doesn't happen. Somebody else gets what we work for during our life. In the spirit world, all the things that God had set aside for this man as rewards in eternity, he forfeited all of them. He will have nothing in the lake of fire. It's the blackness of darkness forever. You don't have jewelry. There's nothing to show. You can't see. You don't, there's nothing down there except torments and, and discomfort. So let's look at Matthew, uh, I mean at Luke 8, 18. Take heed therefore how you hear, for whosoever hath to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not from him shall be taken, even that which he seems to have. We talk to so many rich people in the world, and they're comfortable. They seem to have it all. But as soon as they die, they have nothing. And this man in the spirit world, when he got to the judgment seat, he seemed to have it all, and he had nothing. And that's, that, that's really the sadness of this story, is this man, through his spirit of guile, had fooled himself his entire life, and when he died, he had nothing to show for it, except eternal destruction in the lake of fire. Matthew 25, 29 says, For unto everyone that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that has not shall be taken away even that which he has. And Mark 4, 24 and 25 says, And he said unto them, Take heed what you hear. Are you listening to what God's word says today? With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Whatever you give for the Lord's kingdom, he's going to bring it back to you in abundance. And unto him that hears shall be more given. For he that hath, to him shall be given. And he that hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he has. This same theme is mentioned many times in the Bible. God is very consistent. If you give, it shall be given unto you. If you are withholding the goods that God gave you, when you get to the judgment seat, you will have nothing. Luke 19.27 says, But those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. 
You know, the, the, the flesh is enmity against the spirit. That means it's at war with the spirit, the flesh, the world, the, the, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. It's all fighting against the Holy Spirit. And God says in this verse, bring them hither and slay them before me. The angels will be the ones who take and cast the souls into the lake of fire. In Revelation, it says, they will be tormented forever in the presence of God and the angels. So the angels are doing what God's bidding is. And here he says, slay them before me. And it's not an instant death. It's an eternal destruction that never ends. Matthew 25, 30, And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This outer darkness is hellfire until the great white throne. And after the great white throne, death and hell are cast into the lake of fire. And that will be forever. So hell is kind of like the city jail until you, the judge gives you the long-term judgment and then you get sent to Green Rock, you know, which is a long-term penitentiary. Matthew 8, 20, 11 and 12 says, And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. East and the west is Gentiles, Americans, uh, Asians, Canadians, South Americans, Africans, Middle Eastern people. It doesn't matter. If you have faith in Christ, you're going to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because they're in heaven because of their faith. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Sarah. By faith, David. <laughs> the only way you get to heaven is by faith. And it says, But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The children of the kingdom were the Jews that didn't believe. And Jesus is speaking to his people, and they're rejecting him as, as their savior. Matthew 13, 42 says, And shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. When I was a little kid, uh, my parents took us to Iron Mountain, Michigan. And they have the they, um, ore, the iron there. And they have these huge smelting furnaces. And we did a tour. And... We saw the men working in the furnaces. They were as big as this cathedral here, you know, four or five stories tall. And they would have these heavy equipment. They would put the ore in there, and they were burning this iron ore. And even being from this distance, you know, way up on the viewing stand, we could still feel the heat. And there was glass in front of us. I couldn't imagine they had to wear those, those heat-protective suits when they were working in that area, how hot it was. And when I think of a furnace, I think of that furnace. It's unimaginably hot. And here this verse says, And shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. The hell fire is like a furnace that will never go out. Matthew 24, 51 says, And shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And again, this weeping and gnashing of teeth is a consistent theme that Jesus spoke of throughout the four Gospels. He's very consistent. Why do we call Jesus Savior? Because we need a Savior from hell. We need a Savior from the wrath of God because of the sins that we have done. And the only remedy, the only justification before God's throne is Christ's blood, his propitiation, the atonement that he gave us. It's the only way we can be reconciled with the king is by receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior of our soul. And then we can physically go into the kingdom when we have a glorified body at the, at the judgment seat. 
So that was today's uh, message. Let's, um, let's pray. Lord, I, I thank you for this beautiful day. I thank you for all the senior saints that are here today, that you would bless their, their week coming up. If they have burdens, Lord, physical, that you would heal their bodies. If they have emotional or spiritual burdens, Lord, we, your word says cast your care upon him because he cares for you. And every one of us in this room today, we can take the burdens that we have and cast them upon you and you will help us carry that burden. And Jesus, we know you are good. You're always good. And Lord, thank you for your, for your um, saving grace. And thank you for dying on the cross for my sins, for the sins of all of us in this room. And Jesus, we love you. Thank you, Father. Amen.